What's up, everybody? We appreciate you joining us for another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, here with my man Curtis, and on today's show, we're going to dig into some recent comments made by uh, former Alabama quarterback and current ESPN broadcaster Greg McElroy comparing our guy, Jacob Eason, pretty unfavorably with South Carolina's quarterback, Jake Bentley. Does he have a point? Is he completely off base? Or is the answer somewhere in the middle? Uh, we'll, we'll dig into that here momentarily. But before we do, we just want to throw out a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. And if you don't partake in social media or don't want to limit your thoughts to 140 characters, you can always go old school. That's cool with us. And you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with what we have to say, we always welcome your thoughts on, on anything and everything that we talk about on the show. So feel free, guys. Seriously, hit us up anytime, and uh, we'll uh, definitely interact with you there. So you can also inter- subscribe to and review the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. You can find us on any of those platforms. And also, just real quick, I have to throw this out here. If you guys listen to the show, you know that I am a big Georgia tennis fan. I had head coach Manny Diaz of the men's team on a couple weeks ago and also had last week Jeff Wallace, uh, the women's head tennis coach. He's been here for 30-odd years. I, mean, I think he's on year 32 now. Manny's on year 29. Uh, so I had them on the show trying to stir up some interest and support for the programs. And uh, we have a huge match. The men have a huge home match against Florida on Friday night at 6 p.m., uh, I don't know if I've said this before, but if you've never made out to a match, you really are missing out. I strongly encourage you to come check out, check out a match against any team. But there's always a very suspenseful, exciting environment. The, the format of caution kind of just provides for that. But when we play Florida at home, it is an incredible environment. Last year, it was uh, a match that came down to the absolute wire. We ended up winning 4-3, very closely contested match. Extraordinarily exciting, an absolutely insane, raucous crowd. And I don't imagine it'll be any different this time around because both teams are still in the mix, uh, really at the, the top of the class there, along with Texas A&M, for the SEC title this year. And we're going, actually going for our fifth straight SEC title. Nothing new for Georgia Tennis, but this is a huge match. We're undefeated in conference play right now. Got to a little bit of a slow start early in the season with uh, a very young team with no seniors on the roster. Had a very, very tough uh, schedule early on. Actually, we... The only teams we haven't lost any team outside the top ten. We haven't, and obviously, haven't lost any in conference. So this is a huge match as we come down the stretch. We have got two weekends left of the conference slate before we get into the SEC tournament, and this is again going to be a monster match. So if you're around the Athens area, definitely come check it out. And if you don't live in the Athens area, it's definitely worth a trip. I think you will uh, realize that pretty quickly. Admission is 100% free. Um, the kids will love it. If they don't, if they get restless and don't like tennis, they're actually putting on a uh, a little clinic for eighth grade and under children uh, while the match is actually going on. So they have a little something to do and be active, so you can actually kind of sit down and take in the action that's taking place at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex. So if you get a chance, make it out, guys. Support our team. But all right, with the business items out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and talk some football, man. Uh, so Kurt Greg McElroy, uh, currently of ESPN and Sirius XM Radio. He went on a show. It was uh, Cole Kubelik. Um, he's a guy who does a couple ESPN football games a year. Things like a sideline reporter. But he's a former Auburn offensive lineman. He's a current radio host slash ESPN analyst sometimes. Cole Kubelik is his name. Uh, he's got a radio show. I think it's out of Alabama somewhere. Could be wrong there. But he's got a radio show regardless. And uh, so McElroy goes on Kubelik's show earlier this week. I think it was Monday when on the show. And he had some pretty damning things to say about Jacob Eason particularly in comparison to South Carolina's young quarterback, who was also a true freshman last year, and that would be Jake Bentley. 
And he saw he and Bentley saw significant playing time as a true freshman last year. Not as much as Eason did. It was about halfway through the season that Bentley jumped into the starting lineup, whereas Eason was a starter from game two on and saw the Lions share the time, or at least I would say at least half the time in the first game against North Carolina. So instead of me just kind of recapping what McElroy said, let's go straight to the source. And here is what McElroy had to say regarding Eason and Bentley Monday on the Cole Kubelik shows. And I also think that Jake Bentley uh, at quarterback is, is better than Jacob Eason. Uh, I, I don't think it's close. Frankly, Jake Bentley uh, is much more athletic. He doesn't have as big of an arm and certainly didn't have as many stars next to his name when he was getting recruited. Uh, but Jacob Eason is a statue in the pocket, uh, hasn't been able to move off the spot. Yeah, he makes some throws that make you say, wow, like the throw he made against Tennessee to take the lead late uh, down the left sideline. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, but does he do that consistently enough? I think he's got too much arm for his own good sometimes and, and uh, can put a little bit too much heat on the ball, whereas Bentley throws a very catchable ball, um, is accurate, and uh, makes it easy on his wide receivers, and I think he's a better deep ball thrower, whereas Eason is one of the worst deep ball throwers in the entire country. So I, I think uh, it's Jake Bentley at this point in their development uh, granted, we haven't seen what Easton's done uh, so far this spring. He might have taken a huge leap forward. Uh, we'll find that out on the 22nd when they have their spring game. But um, based on what I know to this point, it's Bentley, and uh, I'm not sure it's close. All right, Curtis, upon hearing that audio right there, what is your just real quick initial reaction when you hear that? Is McElroy on to something, or is he completely off base? You know, I'll say his argument, he, he makes a decent point talking about Easton with the deep ball, but other than that, you know, I think it's a little bit off base. I think he can meet more in the middle. I think you have to look at, you know, we don't have a full full thing to look at for Bentley. I mean, you know, the, the best defense he played against all season, given that they were a national championship defense, but still the best defense he played against, he was absolutely abysmal when they faced Clemson. Yep, 41 yards passing, 7-17, 41 yards, no touchdowns, a pick. I think he also got, did he get benched for a little bit of that game? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came out in about the third quarter. Yeah, I stopped watching it about... <laughs> Two minutes in the second quarter, because it was already a blowout. I mean, even then, he, even if he, you know, he was doing nothing. The offense was completely and just sputtering and everything. And then he, you know, he talked about the Tennessee game. Okay, that that Tennessee team was completely depleted, and it's not like the offense is what beat Tennessee. No, Tennessee beat themselves with multiple turnovers on drives, which then gave t- uh, South Carolina the ball in favorable field positions. He Bentley was what I would say in the Tennessee game. Look at his numbers. He was efficient that game. He was not a game changer. He was fifteen of twenty for 167 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That's a very efficient day at the office. Uh, and he didn't do anything to lose that game. And he certainly helped them with it. And, and you're right. He, he was efficient. And I think that also goes with the system. You know, we were asking Eason to do a lot more things than just get 165 yards. We needed him to do more to win the game. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Eason, yeah, there's no doubt about it, especially when we have so many issues trying to run the football and beat a team that we wanted to be. Uh, now I do. Let's look at the numbers here first, and then we'll we'll dig it back into each thing that you just said there, and kind of add some context. I think that's what McElroy failed to do. He was just basically going off numbers and maybe what he saw to a degree, but he didn't add the context into this scenario, which I think it needs to be. We'll get into that here in a second. But if you look at the numbers, which I'm sure McElroy is looking, at, he would probably point to this to back up his points which is fair, and I do very much respect Greg McElroy and his opinions. I mean, the guy's got a lot more experience in this game at a much higher level than I do. Uh, but as far as the numbers go, Bentley last year threw in seven games. He started seven games. He about I think he's just after the midway point. Actually, 
the game after we played them. They had a bye week after us, and then uh, they played Massachusetts. That's who he opened up with. So from that point on, he threw for an average of 202 yards a game, whereas Eason, in 12 starts, threw for an average of 191 yards a game. That's not including anything he did in the North Carolina game. Was, he didn't start that game. We'll go with the games they started. Bentley threw for uh, an average of 7.5 yards per attempt, whereas Eason only threw for 6.6 yards per attempt. Bentley's completion percentage on the year with his seven starts was 65.8, which is really good. Uh, And then Eason was what you expect out of a true freshman, 55.1%, kind of right around where Stafford was his true freshman year, actually a little bit better than what Stafford was his true freshman year. Uh, and even really a sophomore year, too. And then the touchdown-to-interception ratio, Bentley had nine touchdowns to four picks, pretty much a two-to-one ratio, whereas Eason in more starts had a 16-touchdown-to-eight interception ratio, again, two-to-one exactly there. So if you look at the numbers, Bentley's numbers are better, right? Yeah. I mean, all around, those numbers are better. You can't really dispute that, and I'm not going to dispute that because those are hard numbers right there. But I think, going back to what I said before, the numbers, I think the question we really have to ask here is this. Do those numbers themselves mean that Bentley was indeed the better quarterback as a true freshman last year? Or do you have to consider the context in which those numbers were put up to get a a clearer picture of the performance that both those guys put up last year? So is the are the numbers the be-all, end-all there? Is that just case closed? Jay Billings is the best quarterback of the two last year? Or is there more to the story? I think there's more to the story. I mean, like I was saying, you know, look at his statistics against South Carolina, who's actually a good – I mean, against Clemson, who's a good defensive team. No touchdowns. He had a one pick, and what was the numbers? Uh, 40, seven of seventeen for forty-one yards. Yeah, so he's under fifty percent, and against a good team. Now I was, but Eason, I and I'm just trying to be in all in, all fairness here. Eason had a game similar to that against South Carolina, where he at South Carolina he was five of 17, 29 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and by far his worst performance of the year. Oh no! See, I'm I agree. Eason did have a bad game that game, but I'm I'm saying that was Bentley's only tough team. He the only tough. Really good defense. Well, he faced. played Florida too. That was a good defense. Yeah, but he faced him at a time when they were a lot less than what they had been. And he didn't fare well. I mean, Bentley's numbers against Florida: eighteen of thirty-three, uh, which is fifty-four percent. That was his lowest outside the Clemson game. That was his worst performance: uh, two hundred thirteen yards, no touchdowns, one pick. So you could say you could say. I mean, you're right. I think you're onto something there, Kurt. I mean, see, and you look his at what two Eason best faced. defenses he faced. He had his worst performances. Exactly, and look what Eason faced. I mean, against the Missouri team that we had, we I don't even think we rushed for 100 yards. He goes out there as a true freshman yeah. in his first road start, throws for 50, throws 51 times, and including a game-winning touchdown. Yeah, and um, that was and that was when Missouri was early years. So Missouri was a very different Missouri than they were later in the year when they kind of given up on the season, which is when South Carolina night, got them. A home night game. You mean that's home, hard? Yeah, home that's night game. Absolutely, I was there at that game. And that was, I mean, I'm telling you guys, that was going into that game. Missouri, they didn't know that they were going to be terrible. They still thought they had everything in front of them. They did. And they played exactly. lights out. The fans were into it. It wasn't what you saw later in the year with Missouri where they would basically just given up. That team was ready. To, they were playing to win that game. Exactly. And you know that we faced them. Ole Miss, you know, their defense, they were in desperation when we faced Ole Miss. Then you could look later in the season. We play Florida after a bye week, so they're a little bit more healthy than they yeah. usually are. Auburn, who – their defense carried them throughout the entire season. Yep. So I think he faced a lot better defenses than what Bentley And when we faced, faced Tennessee, they did have they did have some injuries when we faced them. Uh, Sutton was out when we played him, and so was Jalen Reeves-Maven. But it wasn't to the extent – the injury bucket yeah, not I mean, hit them to the extent that it had by the time South Carolina got them almost yeah, a month the later. South Carolina, they had lost Bryant. They had lost all those people. Basically their entire defensive front, uh, both linebackers essentially – 
half their secondary was gone. I mean, they were a shell of themselves by the time that South Carolina got them a month later. And, and you can say those are excuses, and, and maybe they yeah, are, but I think it's you just... You can say they're excuses, but I do think but it's they context. skew the numbers. Yeah, it's, it, you have to add the context into the scenarios. The fact is, when we played Missouri, it was a very different Missouri team. When we played in Tennessee, yes, there were some injuries they had. You have to acknowledge that, but not to the extent that... That they were facing but once here's this, South Carolina. What were, East, what were Easton's numbers against Tennessee? Seventeen of twenty-eight, two hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns, a pick, and an absolute clutch, clutch. What should have been a game-winning touchdown? Now he didn't have the percentage as Bentley did, but he had more yards, more touchdowns. Yep, he had sixty percent completion percentage, which is still solid in, in a game which meant a lot uh, at that point. Because both teams were still very much in the thick of the SEC East race at that point. And we, we should have had that game. Now, Ole Miss, he was terrible. Um, and, but that, that again, that was the four Ole I mean, they were Ole Miss, like you said, there's context there. Ole Miss is back against the wall. Uh, we were having trouble. We got behind early. And we get behind early. We got we to throw out our game plan. We can't really and, run and the you football. Know, I want to say this, too. Yeah, Bentley was a freshman that graduated early. But he also got to sit there for four or five games and watch everything go on. He got a lot more time of watching stuff than what Eason did, who was thrown right into the fire. Do you, but do you think that? And I'm curious. Like, do you think that's a, an advantage for Bentley over Eason? Because I think on one view, you could say Eason had the advantage there because he, even though he wasn't sitting and watching, he was getting live reps and learning. No, that I get way. that. But but you look as the season went along, he did get better later in the season. But when he was thrown into the fire originally, like you're talking about the Ole Miss game, games like that. Those were his, those were his first starts, and he was facing tough teams. And his first two road starts were Missouri and Ole Miss back to back, forged by fire. And I want to say that Vanderbilt defense was actually a really good defense too. I mean, they weren't they they were that's really good, maybe a little strong, but they were a good defense. And he had he had his exactly. best game of the year. And that I think game. that goes back to also you know talking about what Bentley did against who he was playing. I don't think he had two back to back road games going going away. From you know, multiple states over like we did against Missouri, then Ole Miss. Those were tough back-to-back row games. And then you come home and play Tennessee after that. Exactly. Yeah, those, that, that was a brutal three-game stretch. You never saw Bentley have to go through that. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, yeah, and I know we're making excuses for him. And, and look, uh, no, I get that. But, I mean, really, yeah, you can call them excuses, but I call them calling it context. And we go back to the South Carolina game uh, where we mentioned a little bit earlier. Yeah, that was his worst game of the year by far. 5 of 17, 29 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and it was, it was bad. Missing wide-open guys. But if you remember, go back to that game. I, mean, I was there. I was there all weekend. I, I'm able to, for, I'm fortunate to be able to go to all the road games. I mean, we that was when they had the, the monsoon, they had floods, and we had to push the game away from Saturday into Sunday. And while the, it wasn't pouring like it was on Saturday, you didn't have the rain, the wind was a major factor swirling in Williams-Brice Dam that day. And the fact that we kind of got moved off our schedule for a true freshman, that's one of those things, you know, that's going to affect him. Maybe it shouldn't affect him, but it, it, you have to imagine it did to a degree. So, that I'm, I I feel confident in saying because that was a that was a bad South Carolina defense. We should have lit them up. We ran and, all over them. And I also them. want to talk about this. You know, we talk about completion percentage. Well, what would how you know how much different would Eason's per- completion percentage be if he didn't have the amount of drops he had? You know, he makes a statement how Bentley throws a more catchable ball. Well, you know, Eason's ball looks a little bit less catchable, but I, I think also a big impact on that is the fact that his receivers drop so many balls right in their hands. It's not like they were balls that were tips off the sides. No, they were right in their hands that they would just drop. Yep, and that's that's you brought up two points that I want to get to, man. Perfect there. Uh, when we're talking about this situation, when you're reading the numbers there, uh, we'll go back to the numbers real quick here. So, Because you really can't dispute the numbers. Like, And I'm sure Greg McElroy probably would point to these numbers kind of supporting his opinion, which is fair. You know, Bentley... In his seven games as a starter, uh, 
Easton's 12 games to start. Bentley had 202 yards a game. Easton had 191 yards a game. Bentley had 7.5 yards per attempt. Easton had 6.6 yards per attempt. Completion percentage, Bentley was at 65.8, which is really, really good for anyone, especially a true freshman, so I'll give him that. Uh, Eason, which is what you expect from a true freshman, about 55.1%. Ahead of where Stafford was as a true freshman. A lot of people try to compare him to Stafford. A touchdown interception ratio, Bentley was nine touchdowns to four picks, basically a two-to-one TD interception ratio. Eason, exactly a two-touchdown to one-pick ratio with 16 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So with the numbers there, those are all around better for Bentley. You can't really dispute that. But what you have to look at here, and we're just, uh, kind of what we were talking about, is just just by looking at the numbers, do they tell the whole story? Because you can look at those numbers and say, well, Bentley was clearly the better quarterback. But I think you also have to factor in the context in which those numbers were put up to get a clearer picture. Because think about football is the ultimate team sport. Nothing happens in a vacuum. So when you're looking at that, I think you're right. You've got to factor in the offense they're running, the playmakers they have around them. Let me ask you this, Curtis. In that offense that South Carolina ran last year? More than likely, yes, because you know later in the season when we started going to the shotgun more, which allowed us to run better. You saw Eason put up a little bit better passing numbers too. Yeah, I mean, I really this is just my opinion. Look, I don't know. I mean, I, I know no more than anyone else out there. But just if you're asking me, uh, the, the disparity in numbers there between Bentley and Eason, which is clear, you cannot deny there's a disparity in their in the numbers that they put up. But at least in my humble view, that disparity has a lot to do with the two offenses that those quarterbacks are being asked to run. I mean, the, the thing about it, the spread-based attack that uh, the Gamecocks implemented last year under Kurt Roper, who was the first-year offense coordinator that, you know, going back to the four days, Mushroom had a connection there, so he brings R- Roper in. They operate almost exclusively out of shotgun. It was a much more of a spread-based attack, and it made for a very easy, very comfortable transition for Bentley because that's basically what he was running in high school. It was almost like a, pl- a plug-and-play. There's a lot of carryover from what he knew and what he did in high school to what he was doing as a true freshman on the field at South Carolina. Whereas Easton, on the other hand, he was being asked to run a largely pro-style attack that was entirely foreign to him. I mean, he was literally learning on the fly. And what, while a, what a great deal of what Billy was being asked to do, like I said, was it translated very well from his high school days. So do you think that factored into it? I think it does. You know, the comfort, how comfortable you are in the system. I mean, that's why you hear now when they're, you know, you listen or you read what they're talking about with Cheney recruiting people. He's out there trying to say that he's going to fit the system more to the quarterbacks he has in there now. Right, and we didn't do that so did much last year. Last year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and, the, and I want to say we did adjust things throughout the season. We just never really yeah, got away. When we started adjusting, you started seeing better numbers. Right, exactly. We just we just never got away from our core principles, which is trying to be that team that's going to pound it down your throat. But when we, when we spread out a little bit more, put Easton into the gun a little more, you could clearly tell how much more comfortable he was just slinging the ball around. When, we, when he was allowed to go up tempo a little bit, from t- I mean, think about why he was so good in some of those uh, before the half situations and late game situations. Why do you think he was so much better in some of those situations? We went spread, just let him get the ball. Spread up tempo, get the ball to your hands, make plays, and that was when he was at his best. If we had done that throughout the year, I think his numbers would have been a lot better as a passer than what they were. The fact is, we were trying to fit him into a system that he had no experience in playing under center most a lot. I shouldn't say most time, but a lot of the time, more so than he ever had in his life. Whereas Bentley was allowed to sit back and shock. I'm telling you, go back and look at the high school clips of Jake Bentley and look at his highlights from South Carolina last year. Very similar looking offenses. Very, very similar looking offenses. I mean, it's just. I think that's a huge part of it. I, I really do because we did, like I, said, like I said, we did make adjustments. But we never strayed from what we wanted that core offensive identity to be. We wanted to be, and we agree with it or not. Basically, I mean, what we did last year, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is our coaches have took the long view last season. 
in trying to establish our our desired long-term offensive identity come hell or high water. No matter what we had to sacrifice that first year, we were just dead set on establishing that long-term physical offensive identity. And whether or not you agree with that strategy last year or not, I mean, regardless, we were married to that. And I think that somewhat played into some of the poor numbers Easton put up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, Especially I, the first couple games of the season, like Missouri, we talked about it. Easton had to throw up 51 times because we couldn't run the ball yeah, at all. Absolutely. And and it was a shame with the running backs that we had. And if you look at go back and look at South Carolina's scheme, it, to kind of contrast the two. So we were dead set. Uh, and while we did make some adjustments, we still never strayed from that core downhill philosophy. But while South Carolina, on the other hand, they were very flexible in fitting their offense to the talent they had on hand. They knew what they had, and they fit the talent to that. Because uh, I think that's what they want to be long term. They want to be that spread up tempo type team that throws the ball around and spreads the field out. So they they had they didn't have a situation where they were, it was like a square peg round hole scenario. Everything fit together nicely because that's what Bentley had done his, his entire high school career. And that was what he was good at. And they also gave Bentley a ton of easy throws with that spread offense. They had a ton of RPOs. If you, I mean, seriously, guys, go watch some of his highlights. There's a couple on YouTube there. And some of the throws, some of the big plays he was hitting were basically designed up from through RPOs that gave him wide open man looks with linebackers complete taking on situation following running backs wide open looks easy 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 throws which yielded clearly a more efficient unit in year one for them I mean clearly but Eason wasn't given a ton of those easy throws think about how many times we're going you know we try to run the ball run the ball run the ball and then go play action over the top take a vertical shot down the field right and those are lower percentage throws. It's, I mean, if you watch it, I mean, if you seriously watch both those teams play, go back and watch some of the tape. South Carolina gave Bentley many more high percentage throws than what we gave Eason. Now, Eason, he missed a bunch of those balls that were there. And there were, we dialed some plays up that were there, and he flat out missed them. So I, I agree with that to a degree. But I, I think it's kind of apples and oranges when you're comparing these guys in two different offenses. Eason is much more comfortable running an offense like what Bentley ran last year because that's what he ran in high school. Well, he was asked to fit into something very, very foreign and very, very different to him. And I'm very, it'll be very interesting to see how this shakes out in year two now that Eason has a full year under his belt playing that system and being a lot more comfortable. Uh, and you, one thing you also mentioned there is the players. A lot of the times Eason would put the ball on the money and guys would drop the ball. Would you say that South Carolina had better playmakers at wide receiver and tight end last year that, that uh, Bentley was thrown to? When you look at her, the weapon Hurst was and what Evans gave, I believe it's Evans gave them on the outside. He gave Edwards? Them a, Edwards, yeah, yeah. He gave them freshman, a huge weapon yeah. that we did not have. And he had Debo Samuel, too, is also a very good wide receiver, who was their number one guy coming in the season. And Edwards is a true freshman, kind of came in and, and made some plays. And Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst is really, really good, man. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's... You know, we have not in everything, but he was—he's experienced. He's up; he's older, upper class. He's twenty-three years old. Yeah, he's an ex-baseball player, and he's quicker too. You know, he's—he's more of a hybrid. Yeah, he's the guy that you see in the NFL these days. That you—you flex him out wide. I mean, they're putting him back on punts. Right? Yeah, he yeah he he returned punts against us. He returned a punt against us. I remember that specifically. I was like, "Whoa, okay, you're putting your tight end back there." And he's—he is that type of player. I mean, he was a major playmaker for them. Uh, So, and if you look at our wide receiver core. Outside of Isaiah McKenzie, who did anything? I mean, really, Ridley made a couple of plays. I mean, they, but what? We had twelve catches for two hundred thirty-eight yards last year. That was what Riley really had. Then you had you had Javon Wims, who really started to pick up some playing time later as the season progressed. But his numbers weren't all that great. Uh, then what? Michael Chigbu is that going to put the fear in anybody's heart? 
Jason Stanley didn't even have a single catch. Yeah, Jay, you're right. Jason Stanley did not have one freaking catch. Not and man, do you still remember that one? Ole Miss, right? His hands. Could, yeah, I'm not gonna. Had, yeah, I'm not gonna say that, that would have completely changed the Ole Miss game, but it would have at least given us a chance because that would have been right before half where we would have kept us within striking distance against Ole Miss. They probably still would have beaten us, but we would have at least had a chance. After that, when we dropped that, you, I mean, I was in that stadium. You could feel fill the air just kind of sucked out of the visitor section there. Like we we thought, hey, you know, we could get a score here before half, and maybe we had a little momentum going in the half and do something coming out. But after that, it's like, nah, man, it's over. That was the point. That was the point. We was like, over. That also hurt Eason even more because after that point, we were so far behind coming in the second half that we kind of had to abandon the running game for the most part and completely get rid of our game plan that we had coming into the game and just had to chug the ball. And they knew exactly what we were going to do, and they harassed Eason all day. They had pass rushers that were in his face, down in, and down out because they didn't have to even worry about the running game because they knew that we were so far behind we couldn't run the ball. And that certainly impacted the kind of day that Eason ended up ultimately having. And going back to the wide receivers, Williams had 17 catches last year. I mean, Chig Boot dropped how many balls? I mean, Terry. I mean, Godwin had a, a, a decent-ish year. I mean, look, look, look at the receiving stats here. Godwin had 38 catches last year for 397 yards. Uh, McKenzie, of course, had a good year, a really good year for us, 44 for 633. But outside of that, man, I mean, you got Reggie Davis with nine catches, Chig Boot with nine. Uh, and that's it. It was Tyler Simmons with two. So, I mean, we didn't have those weapons uh, last year. At least by the time they'd come on, Ridley and Wims, it was much later on in the year. And as good as our tight ends were, I mean, not at 29 catches for 361 yards, I would argue Hayden Hurst was a better tight end last year. Are, am I off base with that? No, because, no, not at all. And that's actually something that uh, McElroy had to say, too. I, I'm going I'm to play a clip here real quick. I would actually have a little argument with you on the on the tight ends. I think Isaac Nada is okay. I think last year um, he's got to make a lot of improvements. And I think Blazevich is is kind of steady, but I wouldn't say he's a difference maker. Whereas I think the one difference maker in that whole unit is Hayden Hurst. Okay. Uh, if you're comparing the two rosters, both South Carolina and and Georgia, I think Hayden Hurst is the best tight end coming back in the SEC by a pretty wide margin this upcoming season. All right, so there's Greg McElroy on the tight end situation. So, Kurt, do you agree with that? Is Isaac Nauta only an okay player? No, I think the biggest thing is it's one of the – it's a you know, look at the criteria. I mean, Hurst is a 23-year-old guy whose body is fully developed. He's ex-major league baseball – or ex-baseball player. Minor league baseball player, yeah. Minor league, yeah. You know, and you got to look at Nauta. I mean, he's a a true freshman. Yeah, he's very physical in his body. I mean, he's already built – you know, for a freshman, but at the same time, he's not fully developed, and he's not fully used to the game, as, even at the levels he played in high school. I mean, you got to look at what he did, though, as the season came on. He had some big-time plays and catches, like that long touchdown catch he had against Tennessee. Yeah. He had some big-time catches. I mean, and, you know, I, um, like if Vanderbilt would get us back in the game or give us that lead at one point, throwing that uh, tight end, you know, to the thing. You know, Hurst did a lot, but I think you also got to look at what Hurst is asked to do compared to Nada also. Yeah, he was he was a receiving threat. He was their primary receiving threat, and they moved him around a lot, did a lot of different things with him. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, again, McElroy's based on numbers, he's on to something there. And Hayden Hurst last year had forty eight catches for six hundred sixteen yards, whereas Nada had twenty nine catches for three hundred sixty one yards. But he was also kind of working himself into the starting lineup, and that really didn't materialize yeah, until Hurst the end of the season. From game, from game one, one yeah, I remember watching game one against South Carolina. And I was like, or against Vanderbilt, I was like, oh, that that dude can play. But, I mean, if you look at our tight ends, we had four tight ends last year. I saw some playing time. Jackson Harris, Isaac Nauta, 
Of course, Jeb Blazevich and Charlie Warner, although Warner was limited most of the year uh, with, a, with an ankle injury. But those four tight ends that we had combined for 41 catches for 484 yards among the four, whereas Hurst had 48 catches for 616 yards on his own. Now, if you're talking about pass-catching tight ends, I would say Hayden Hurst is probably the best in the league right now. And I, I, and I, I, I don't think that's going on too much with him. I think he is. I think mean, he's the best pass-catching tight end in the league right now. Well, at least they use him that way. But to say Isaac Nauta is only okay, I mean, come on. That's a little much, right? I think McElroy's just wanted, uh, you know, especially when you look at what he said about Bentley. You know, he doesn't have all the stars next to his name. Well, I think that's the chip on the shoulder also created by McElroy himself. Where he, you know, who was that guy? That, yeah, he won the national championships. That was, he was the guy who didn't have the stars, but he won all the big games compared to these guys who got drafted higher than him. Yep, he's at the soft spot for him. Yeah, I, that didn't escape me. That was something I was thinking about, too. There's something, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, but I mean, look, like, going back to Hayden Hurst real quick, I think he's... I mean, I, no, I think Hurst is the best true tight, pass-catching tight end uh, now, now that O.J. Howard is gone, I will say I that. think Hurst was better than Howard last year. I think the way they're used, maybe. I think he moves... I think he's more fluid than Howard, and I, and that's just me. I could be wrong, man. I, I don't know, but I... I, I don't... See, I, I do... I mean, Howard's going to be a, probably a first-round pick, so what do I know? But yeah, I, 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 mean, I just watching the them, I really like Hayden Hurst. Used, but like you say, you no, know, Hurst was their number one guy, where Howard... Wasn't when you had people like uh, Calvin Ridley sure. and sure. Um, over there, but you know Hurst is their guy. And, and Lane like, Kiffin never really liked to use those tight ends for whatever no, reason. And and in the same time, I'm going to be honest. It's hard to classify Hurst as a tight end. He is a hybrid. He, he is. I mean, he he rarely he he'll line up in line, but they He's don't like do a, a ton of blocking with him. Who, who he'll he'll catch more passes than he will block. Yeah, absolutely. He is a very like I, I agree with that. I think that's a good point to make there. That Isaac Nod and Hayden Hurst are very different tight ends. Nada has the potential to be a true inline tight end where he can. Nada's not as an all around tight end. He yeah. can block. He can. Catch he's got that potential. Every, yeah, exactly. Where Hurst is, I'm not gonna say he's only one dimensional. He may be able to block, but he's not gonna be able to put up a fight in the trenches like you will see someone like Nada and other guys. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and again, going back to the fact, like you mentioned, that Hayden Hurst is 23 years old. Isaac Nada was a true freshman last year. As in, like, just out of high school, true freshman. I guess technically you could say Hurst was. Uh, I think Hurst was. Was he a freshman last year? I think he was a sophomore. Was a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, he's not advanced um, in terms of his classification. But Nada was a true freshman just out of high school, and he still put up 29 catch, 361 yards, and he really didn't see uh, a ton of balls until midway through the year when he was starting when his playing time really increased dramatically. If you remember back to that first game of the year. Who was the second tight end off uh, off the bench, or the first tight end off the bench? It wasn't Isaac Naughty. It was Charlie Warner. Yeah. And then Warner had some injuries. Uh, they was kind of that nagging throughout the year, and his playing time went down. Why Naughty's went up, and Naughty took advantage of it. So it'd be very, again, very interesting to see what happens moving forward. Last year was last year. That's in the past, man. I'm interested now who's going to be the better player moving forward. I think Naughty is one of those guys that's going to have a big time. I mean, the guy who put up 29 catches, 361 yards as a true freshman. And that's, I think that's only going to incre- increase this year, I, I would imagine. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. All right, let's go back real quick here to the uh, the debate between Eason and Bentley. So we talked about the better players at wide receiver and tight end. I would probably give South Carolina the advantage there, right? To kind of sum that yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was last year. Now, this year, I don't know. It might be a different story. I think Javon Wims is ready to take another step. I'm hoping Riley Ridley. I mean, he's coming off the injury right now, so that's touch and go. We don't know. But it looks like Terry Godwin is, is ready to take that next step as a player. There's been a lot of positive reports about him coming out of spring practice. Miko Hardman might factor in. It sounds like that's a really significant possibility there. So I think we're going to have some upgraded talent. you got Jeremiah Holloman, Tyler Simmons making some plays. So we're going to have 
some some guys that can make some plays for us more so than we had last year at the receiver position. So I think that's going to be a different story this year. But last year, I would say Bentley was probably working with more playmakers out wide. I, I think that's true. Uh, one factor I want to bring in here, and you kind of touched on this earlier. What about the clutch gene? When you're talking about quarterbacks, don't you have to factor in that that iciness, that coolness, that clutch gene, that factor? Yeah, I think that can really change the game. I mean, think about Eason. Like, okay, Eason wasn't great all the but time. But you got to think of, like you're saying, you got to think his very first road game, a night game in the SEC, throws 51 times, including the game winning touchdown on 55 fourth times. 55 times. 55 times. Yeah. And it throws a game winner on fourth and 10. And it, it, you're right. You're right. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I went freaking bananas in the stands when that happened. Like I, I was shot. I was I was in full Larry Munson. Like it's over. You know, it's done. But then it happened. I just I almost tackled a senior citizen in the aisle. Man, it was just just of sheer excitement. So it was awesome. But it wasn't all great for Easton that game. I mean, he he was 29 of 55. So just a shade over 50 percent completion percentage. Did throw for 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, one pick. But you also got to factor in too. One th- there were at least two touchdowns dropped in that game by McKenzie. Yeah, McKenzie dropped one himself. Yeah, he dropped one. He, yeah, he dropped one himself. I feel like there was one more that was also could have been a touchdown. Was dropped. I can't remember who it was, but I know for a fact McKenzie dropped one that was right in his bread basket. But he made the play at the end. But that clutch gene right there, being able to come down last minute, fourth and ten, game is on the line, and you put it on the money like that, ice cold. First true road start at night in a hostile environment. Missouri was still early in the season. Thought that they still had a chance. No one knew how, that they were going to not have a great year. They were still fighting. And he he pulled it out right there. And then you get the Tennessee game, okay, where he flat out should have won the game for us. I mean, made just an unbelievable play. Just another situation. I was like, game's freaking over. And then he pulls it out. That's probably the most excited I've ever been in Sanford Stadium. And then, of course, the whole, well, I'm not going to go there. We know what happens. And then you go go to, go to Kentucky, right? Think about late in that game. Made some big plays for us to help us win that game. Absolutely did. So, I mean, and yeah, he made like the Tech game where he had a chance to win the game late. He throws a, one of the worst interceptions I've seen a Georgia quarterback throw. You got you to gotta talk about that, too. I mean, it wasn't all great. There were some really bad moments. But go back to North Carolina. Remember that bomb to McKenzie down the sideline? We don't win the game. We don't win the game without that. I don't think we do. Those are all clutch moments that he did from day one, from day one in the Georgia Dome to open the season against North Carolina. So he has that, and maybe Bentley does too. We haven't seen that from Bentley, though. And when you're talking about quarterbacks and who's a winner and who's the better player at quarterback position, you've got to factor in who can pull it out in the in, in crunch time. And Eason shown us he can do that. He's shown us he can, now he's got to he's got to get better. And one thing I want to talk about real quick here before we wrap this up, uh, and this is something that we've talked about before too, but one of the things, if you remember back to what McElroy had to say there, one of the things he said was that uh, Bentley was the better deep ball thrower. And that Eason, and this is where it gets kind of hyperbolic, not only is Bentley a better deep ball thrower than Eason, but Eason is one of the worst deep ball passers in America. Do you agree with that? I wouldn't say he's one of the worst, but I say he definitely has something to improve on. Yeah, there's no doubt he struggled there. I mean, think about all the. I mean, there were times when, for all the criticism that Cheney got last year, and some of that was deserved, he dialed up plenty of opportunities for Eason to hit vertical shots down the field off play action, and those they were there, and he just flat out missed a ton of them. I mean, I'm not going to deny that he missed a ton of them. It drove me crazy because I thought he would be able to hit those, 
He's got to, he's got to improve there. But one of the worst deep ball passers in America. I mean, I don't know. You got to go back and look at all the passers in America, and I'm not going to do that. But I think that might be a little bit of a strong statement there. But I would say that Bentley's probably a better deep ball thrower. Or at least last year he was. Hopefully, Eason. And I'm sure you recognize that's something he has to improve on. I'm sure the coaches recognize that's something he needs to improve on. And and we start hitting some more of those. But I thought that was a little bit strong there. And last thing here, he mentioned um, that Eason was a statue in the pocket, that Bentley was the more athletic quarterback, which I think is clear. Bentley is a, he is more athletic than Eason if you watch him play. But I don't know if he gave Eason a fair shake there. Do you, is, when you watch Eason, is he a statue in the pocket to you? No, not at all. I mean, the biggest thing is look at the Florida game, that one that driver he throws – two great passes, you know, on the drive in a row coming from on the run. I mean, the one where he rolls out to the right and then he waits for it to open up and finally hits Terry Godwin for a first down. Yeah. And then uh, a couple plays later hits Riley Ridley for a touchdown after evading the pocket and going to his left. Um, he did get better as the season went on actually moving the pocket, I think, because he had to learn to um, with the speed of the game. Also, with the, how much pressure he was getting on him, he was having to move the pocket. I think – while he's not, I mean, even look at some of the times he ran. I mean, against TCU and other times, he yep. was picking up first down. Yeah, I was going to mention like, against TCU last game of the year, the bowl game. He had a big first down he picked up with his legs. Exactly. So, I mean, he's not the most athletic guy, but he was being, he became serviceable and was able to, you know, sometimes read the pocket a little bit better and even move, get some, you know, get some yards instead of taking a loss. Yeah, I do think that Bentley at this point, at, 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 what we saw from them last year, I mean, it's kind of like someone saying that Deshaun Watson's uh, more athletic than, you know, a a mobile quarterback. I mean, it it is what it is, but as long as the guy does what he can with what he has, though. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think Bentley, like, if you watch him, yeah, I mean, last year he was the more athletic quarterback, but it wasn't like he did all that. I mean, if you look at his rush numbers, the best rushing game he had was against Western Carolina. We had 34 yards. Outside of that, he had minus 7, minus 9, minus 12, minus 6, minus 6, minus 9, which is very similar to what Eason had. I mean, Eason uh, had, you know, minus 7, minus 2, minus 12, minus 2, minus 13. But he had a couple games where, and all, and all that is is stat yardage, right? Or sack yardage being taken off of your rushing totals, which is, I hate the fact that they do that for quarterbacks. It makes no sense, but they do. But like, there were moments later in the year, like you're right, where he, he got more comfortable escaping from pressure and getting out of the pocket and making things happen with his legs. And I don't, so I don't think he's a statue. I don't. Maybe that. Maybe if you watch him the first game or two, but he definitely improved on that as the season wore on. And he's not as athletic as Bentley. I'm not going to sit here and say he is. He's not. Jay Bentley does a really good job of escaping pressure and making things happen with his legs. They don't exactly design their running scheme around him, but he does do a good job making plays with his legs. But Eason, he's more than just a statue in the pocket. He's not. Remember Ryan Mallett from Arkansas a couple years back? Now that was. That's a statue. That is a statue in the pocket. But that is not Jacob Beeson. Jacob Beeson can move better than that. Uh, and I think he showed that definitely as the season wore on there. So all in all, uh, I'll leave you with this question, Kurt. So the numbers are what they are. Last season was what it was. But if you had to pick one guy moving forward, is it Bentley or Eason? I'll take the dog, dog in you out of this. But is it Bentley or Eason if you had to pick one guy moving forward? I think it's the Eason. I think he's going to grow up big time. You're already hearing things from Kirby about how he's been growing. Not only that, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, the ice in his veins. Not many quarterbacks have that where they want the ball. It is innate. It is an innate trait. That is not something you can teach. You have it or you don't. And he's got it. I think you're right. Look, I hate South Carolina. And I hate giving them credit at anything. Giving any credit, any props to any one of their players. 
But I have to be objective about this. And Jake Bentley is a good quarterback. And he's going to be a good quarterback, a good to very good quarterback for them for the next couple of years. But with that being said, for me, I'm, I'm with you. I think long-term, moving forward, Eason's the guy, and I would absolutely take him over Jake Bentley. I mean, South Carolina, I know they love their guy. That's fine. South Carolina, have your guy. That's fine. I like, I'll, I'll, go, with our, I'll go to war with our guy. Uh, because for me, Eason, his ceiling is just so far and away higher than Bentley's with just the raw physical tools that he has that when the light comes on for Eason, and I, I should say if it comes on for Eason, I think it will come on, but we still have to say if at this point. But if and when that light comes on for Jake Eason, I think Greg McElroy will be right in a way. I don't think it's going to be even close when you're comparing Bentley and Eason. But it's going to be Eason, not Bentley, who has the clear edge between the two when and if that light actually comes on for him. And the question is, for me, is when is that light going to come on? Is it going to come on? I think so. I think we're hearing positive signs out of him. And I really like the fact that Jake Fromm is here pushing Eason. Let's, let's face it, did he really have that guy pushing him last year? Not really. I mean, you could say Grayson Lambert and Bryce, but after game one, Lambert wasn't a factor. I mean, come on, he wasn't. And I think Eason knew that. I think Eason knew that. But now you got Fromm in here, and he's pushing him. I think that's going to push Eason to be even better and to be that quarterback that he can be. So for me, uh, it sounds like just for you, just like you there, Kurt. Uh, while Bentley, I think, is a good quarterback, and he's going to do good things for South Carolina. Doesn't he remind you a lot of Connor Shaw, though? Yeah, he does. A lot of Connor Shaw. See, I mean, I, I, I would still take Connor Shaw over Jake Bentley at this point. Connor Shaw was just a – he was a beast, man. But um, I, I think Bentley, you know, the numbers were what they were last year, I said. But if you factor in all the context around the situation, I don't think it was as much of a, a whitewashing as uh, Greg McElroy made it out to be. That it was just overwhelming that Bentley was the better quarterback at this point. I think there, there's more to the story there. And if you're asking me moving forward, I'm taking Easton all the way. All right, guys, so that's all we got for the show here today. We definitely appreciate you listening. Uh, Check back with us next week. Uh, For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, guys, go dogs.